I'd like to start off with a survey uh, this morning. I'm just, I'm just really, really uh, curious. How many of you, now raise your hand loud and proud if you're doing it, how many of you are already listening to Christmas music? Oh, wow. Good job. All right. Just curious. Don't worry, you won't be persecuted. You won't be shunned. I started listening to Holiday Traditions on Sirius XM, channel 71, just for point of reference there. And yes, I am one of those people. I started this past Thursday, pre-Thanksgiving music. So we all can get on different sides, especially when it comes to the holiday rhythms and everything. So one of the things that's really cool is we've been in this series uh, titled Peter the unlikely disciples, and as we've moved through this series, we've examined uh, Peter's words and actions in the gospel. Last week, we shifted over to the two letters that Peter had written, words of encouragement for uh, the early church. Pastor John showed us last week that we are set apart from the world to be holy, to be different. Not different in a weird way, but different in a holy way. Anybody can do that. We are different in a holy way. What's right, John said last week, what's right is not always popular. And what's popular is not always right. It's a good word. It sounds good, right? But here's the deal, my friends. If we live this way, we will suffer at times. We will experience hardship. We'll experience ridicule. We'll be mocked at times, persecuted. You see, holy set-apart living can be very dangerous in this world. And it's easy for us to sit here and think about how hard that is. But if we study the early church, we'll see that God has brought the church through some incredibly tough times. The world Peter was writing to was hearing the gospel for the very first time. And the Holy Spirit led Peter to take the gospel to the world. And Christian tradition says that God eventually called Peter to go to Rome, the most powerful city in the world in Peter's day. And that world at the time was really, really harsh. Rome was led by an emperor at that time named Nero. Here's how bad Nero was. His mama helped him become emperor by poisoning her husband, who was the emperor at the time. That's a bad mama. But to top that, she also killed, she also killed the other son who would have been emperor. So that cleared the way for Nero to take that throne and become the emperor. Thanks for the assist, mom. <laughs> Needless to say, she had some control issues. And Nero eventually got frustrated with her regular advice in his leading. So he decided to kill her. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, does it? <laughs> He invited her to meet him at a resort 
that she traveled to by boat. And after their time together, he sent her home in a boat that he had sabotaged that boat, and it sunk. Unfortunately for Nero, Mama uh, was a pretty good swimmer, and she swam to safety. But unfortunately for Mama, Nero was so determined to kill her that he just sent some soldiers to take her out. Effective, but less subtle. So if you think American politics are harsh, just look back at that. You might want to study Roman history. Nero became more deranged and violent. Historians report that he would sometimes walk the streets at night and kill random people just for fun. Massive fire broke out in Rome, burning for almost a week. It damaged much of the city and the people were angry with Nero. And he needed a scapegoat. So he blamed the Christians. And he began to persecute them. Many scholars think that Peter and Paul were in Rome around this time and the persecution was horrible. Some Christians were tied to poles, painted with tar, and then lit on fire as human torches to light the night streets. That was a Roman punishment for arson. Others were tied to horses and the horses would run to op- in opposite directions and tear Christians apart. And that was a typical punishment for traitors. Others were beheaded, crucified. Terrible punishments reserved for the worst of criminals. Needless to say, man, the early church knew all about suffering. It was so hard to be a Christian in those early days. And listen to Peter in his letters uh, to the early believers. Let's look at this, 1 Peter 4. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through. As if something strange were happening to you. This seems odd. Not only does suffering happen to Christians, but... It also should be expected as normal, Peter says. Imagine that you take a membership class for church and they ask you, you know, ask you, you should join and you tell them that you might get to see the lion here pretty soon. Really up close and personal if you join the church. That's not good. So why in the world would Peter tell them to expect suffering? That seems like bad marketing for the Christian to spread. Well, there's a deeper reason for Christian suffering, my friends. When you suffer for your faith, there's always a a deeper purpose that God has going on with you. Look at verse 13 and 14. Instead, be very glad, for these trials will make you partners with Christ in His sufferings, so that you will have a wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it is all revealed to you, revealed to all the world. If you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. For the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. What an incredible way to look at at suffering. Instead of seeing it as a tragedy, Peter defines it as a sign that you are in partnership with Jesus Christ. That you are locking arms with Christ in identifying with Him. And you'll be blessed in that. You see, the world finds misery and suffering. It does. It wants to shoo away. But the Christians, we find meaning 
in suffering. And Peter would amen that. Okay, but how does suffering make you feel closer to Jesus? Remember, uh, Jesus suffered for us when he went to the cross. So when a Christian suffers, it actually unites us with Christ because we are experiencing a version of what Jesus experienced. So we can find meaning and purpose in that. Suffering can bring us closer to to Christ, closer to God. And the sufferings of Christians are, are simply our share in the once and for all sufferings of Jesus Christ. And we'll be blessed as a result. That, my friends is not a normal view of suffering. Peter totally reframes everything to the early church and to us as well in his testimony. However, this doesn't mean that all suffering is good. Look at verse 15 that Peter writes in here. He says, if you suffer, however, it must not be for murder or stealing or making trouble or prying into other people's affairs. In other words, if you suffer for something, uh, doing something, some stupid stuff, that's not admirable. Like, for example, if you run a red light on your way home from church and you get a ticket, you can't tell the officer, my friends, I'm blessed because I'm suffering for Jesus. No. You're suffering for stepping on the gas pedal and going too fast through that red light. Let's continue. Look at what Peter writes here. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. And trust your lives to God who created you, for he will never fail you. In other words, everyone is going to suffer. So it's better to suffer at people's hands for doing what is right than than doing what is evil. The suffering that you'll experience here on earth is nothing compared to the suffering of being eternally separated from God. We need to draw closer to Jesus Christ and and be holy as he is holy in living in this evil world. And suffering at times means that there are some evil people out there that will hate you because you are a Christian and you're seeing it more and more and more and more. This is a tough word. When we suffer, we naturally want to get revenge against those who are hurting us. But we have to remember that God's going to deal with those people. (laughs) Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But Peter reminds those early Christians that they're suffering that has a greater purpose. That God has something to say to them. The only way for him to say it is through suffering at times. Peter had written this uh, about this earlier in Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. He says, be truly glad. There's a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith, though your faith, is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith reminds, remains uh, strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus 
is revealed to the whole world. So we know, and the ancient world knows, that gold was so desirable. And they would purify it by heating it up so that all the impurities would be burned up and filtered out. But that gold, true gold, would remain. And the heat of the fire revealed what was real and what was fake. Suffering does the same for us. God doesn't allow you to suffer just to make life hard or to see what your breaking point is. That would be, that would be sadistic. And that is not in the character of a holy God. But God allows us to, be su- to suffer to be purified, to be made stronger. So that the holy, unholy things can be burned away. So that you, we can look more and more like Jesus Christ, the image of Christ. Think about it. If you ever suffered for your faith, did you find yourself praying more and more than ever? Did you seek God more desperately? Spend more time in the Word? Share your faith more with somebody boldly? Did you turn away from your default sins? These things won't automatically happen when you're suffering for the Lord. But it will happen when you keep your focus on Jesus Christ. Tim Keller said it this way. You don't really know Jesus. Know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Isn't that beautiful? You don't really know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Let's be honest. Few of us have experienced this. We, we go through hard times, but we still got food, health care. We have housing, at least some of those things. Few of us know, don't, don't know what the early church went through. But today, this very day, there are Christians worldwide who are suffering for Jesus Christ. 360 million Christians live in areas where they suffer high levels of persecution and discrimination for their beliefs. That's one out of every seven uh, Christians. Last year, a Christian died for his or her faith every 92 minutes. That's just the ones that we know of. Here's a testimony. I want to show you a video. It's about a minute and a half long of some persecution that's happening right now in our world. Let's take a look at this video together. They never talk about the pain. When you talk to people who have been under persecution, they have the unique awareness given to them by the Holy Spirit that this is a spiritual war. And somehow I have been counted worthy to be on the front line. They burned a lot of our literature. They burned our churches. They kept their guns on me, my chest, many times. My churches, they burned. The buildings, they burned. And they black and blue, they beaten many of our pastors. My father was taken away by them. They kidnapped him for long hours. And they kept many times guns on my chest, not to go in, enter into the villages. But I said no. We cannot stay quiet. Though people may talk and people may beat us, but we want to take the gospel to our friends. And yet our brothers and sisters on the front line of persecution do not ask for relief. 
they have an inner joy, knowing that the gospel is being shared and the people are coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Even uh, in time of persecution, I will serve the Lord. We need to pay the price. Persecution is there, but people are yearning for the truth. I want to I wanna take just a moment to pray. Just like for you to close your eyes and just be mindful just for a minute of those around the world that are just laying it all down. God, be with them. Strengthen them. Encourage them in the midst of their persecution and suffering to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. We pray that you would surround them with your protection, dear Lord. We pray that uh, we would step out in faith, boldness, we would live a life dedicated to you, taking up just a, a little bit of the courage that they have, God. Just bless them this day. Thank you for their testimony and witness. These 360 million people living in these very violent areas. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You know, we certainly don't have it as bad as they have it. I think about, I was thinking about, man, Jonathan, where do you suffer, brother? You know, a lot of times I'll be on an airplane and it'll be a great conversation with a person and they'll say, hey, what do you do? I say, I'm a pastor. They don't talk to me anymore. <laughs> I'm like, man, that's some of the suffering that I do. Or getting this unsigned letters from other churches because I'm doing worship service in a brewery, you know. But just because our lives aren't on the line doesn't mean it will be easy. You know, people are going to say false things about you. They may judge you. They may exclude you. When people curse, persecute you, they probably won't say, I'm persecuting you because you're such a good and righteous person. <laughs> Early Christians were charged with being immoral. Uh, serving and worshiping the one true God rather than Caesar and declared enemies of the state. They were charged with incest because they kept talking about loving their brothers and sisters and their enemies. They were called cannibals because they said that they were eating the body and blood of Jesus Christ in the Lord's Supper. And those charges weren't true. And when persecuted, the charge will often be something else. You know, you won't be charged with being righteous, but you may be accused of being intolerant or disloyal or not a team player. This is, is actually an important part of what it means to be in mission with Jesus Christ. And if you're not on a mission, you probably won't be persecuted. Why would Satan waste time on you? You've already taken yourself out of the game. So here's the truth, I think. If you don't ever suffer for your faith, are, you really, are we really living for Jesus and his mission? You're not persecuted from retreating from the world. You're only persecuted when you engage the world as a believer. The mission of Jesus is ours uh, to carry. And it's a lesson that we learn from the life of Peter. It's a mission of love. It's, it's showing goodness. It's showing honesty. It's, it's showing a commitment to the message of the gospel of grace. James Hewitt, James Hewitt wrote this wonderful poem. People are unreasonable, illogical, 
self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people accuse you of your selfish, ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you're successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The good you do today will not be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. The biggest people with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest people with the smallest minds. Be big anyway. People favor the underdogs, but follow only top dogs. Fight for some underdogs anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. What is the crime for which we are hated? Being God's people. Having the name of Jesus Christ on our hearts. Bearing his name everywhere. Being clothed with the magnificence of the Holy Spirit of God. Trying to love one another as we have been loved. And for these beliefs, these actions, this reality, we may be made fun of at work or in school. You know, if you're a teenager... You may, you may be made fun of because you're pausing just for a minute to thank the creator for that lunch in the school cafeteria. Or because you refuse to swear. Or because you honor your parents. If you're a construction worker, you may be called a wimp. Or you refuse in participating in harassing women who are walking by the job site. If you're a stay-at-home mom and dad... You may be made to feel inadequate because all you do is stay home and take care of your children. But you know it's important to raise those kids in the values that you treasure. Peter says, take heart. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You're not the only one who has ever been made fun of of being faithful to your spouse. You're not the only one ostracized because you work up to the quitting bell and you have a great work ethic. You're not the only person who's shocked at what people do to each other. You're not the only one angered by coworkers who steal from their companies. But Peter would also say this, my friends, be careful. Your shock can turn into self-righteousness quite fast. We can easily begin to think that we're better than everyone else. So stay alert. Keep yourself disciplined. Don't let anxiety take its toll on you. When you go to bed at night, though, don't fret because your conscience is clear and you are at peace with yourself, you're at peace with others, you are at peace with God. And you'll have that clear conscience. Give your cares to God who knows better than we can imagine on how to handle what's wrong in this world. Listen to how Peter ends this letter of just incredible hope for the persecuted and those suffering for the gospel. Verse Peter 5, 10 and 11. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And you'll find a place on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. This was written, think about it, this was written by a, a fisherman. 
by a guy who denied Jesus Christ three times before the cock crowed. But he was radically transformed by the grace of God. Transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I know one thing Peter learned and existed in was God's amazing grace. And that's the overall arching theme, I believe, of this series as I look at it. God's grace. You see, Peter experienced the unmerited, unconditional love of God time after time after time in his relationship with Jesus Christ and seeing Jesus Christ's words and and thoughts and actions. And that grace gave him deep conviction. And it's essential to turn to the God of grace. And this is a beautiful description of God that Peter has offered to us, my friends, unique in his writings. It tells us that God is the giver. He is the source of every grace in our Christian life. And it reminds us, it challenges us to turn to him because no matter how intense our sufferings are, his grace is sufficient. Is sufficient in our sufferings and hardships. No matter how great the variety of suffering you've experienced in this life, like a roller coaster, this, and then after that, and then after this, and after that. See, God comes and His grace meets our needs, ministers to us. That's why we have to embrace grace. Because the word embrace tells us that we are to take it up readily, gladly. And in other words, no one can force you to turn to God in your sufferings. That's why some people go through suffering and they just come out angry and bitter. Some will come up just very proud that they've survived it. And it didn't make them a better follower of Jesus. You see, if we want to be a better follower of Jesus, we need to embrace the grace of God, the God of all grace. And we need to turn to him in our times of hardship. No matter what we're going through, God will teach us to grow through it. No matter how great or how little the suffering, don't dismiss the embracing of the God of all grace. That's why that hymn, Amazing Grace... Proclaims through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. So my friends, declare with Peter that God will restore, support, and strengthen, and establish you. Praise God that in the end you'll have victory in Jesus' name. Hey, share that at the Thanksgiving table this week. When we have hope in the midst of our suffering, God does his best to work in that suffering and in the fire. And we can find meaning and purpose in the suffering. And best of all, we know that life is very temporary. And the best is yet to come. And Peter reminds us of that. Tim Keller said this. He said, while other worldviews lead us to sit in the midst of life's joys... For seeing the coming sorrows, Christianity empowers its people to sit in the midst of this world's sorrows, tasting the coming joy. How much does your faith mean to you? Would you be willing to suffer for it? If that was required of you? Will you be bold with it today? We have the courage just to ask God to give you just more opportunities To suffer for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Will you embrace the grace of God to help you through that suffering 
through that persecution, that trial, and at times, <laughs> at times, those sorrows that come in suffering. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for the testimony of Peter. We thank you for the series that how you have shown us just your incredible, incredible love and grace in Peter's life, which is transferred over to us through you and in you, God. We thank you that we are here today because of the blood of the martyrs, because of those who gave up everything to carry the gospel message, the gospel of grace into this world. We're here today because of those who, who were bold enough to speak the gospel to us. We're here today because we've been ministered to with that boldness and people filled with the Holy Spirit and those who believe and trust in you in the midst of their suffering. We're here today, God, because of what you have done, Jesus Christ, on the cross. And through your death and through your resurrection and through the blessed suffering of the early church on in to the years ahead. God, we pray boldly this morning. Give us opportunities to suffer for you for the sake of the gospel. To share with our family, our friends, our co-workers, our relatives, our, our associates. Your incredible truths through our thoughts, words, and actions. God, forgive us for those times where like Peter, we failed. Give us that grace that sends us into just dynamic living of showing what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I thank you for each person here. I pray a blessing upon them as we head into a time of, of thanksgiving this week. And may we truly be reminded that you are with us. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you for your grace. And we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.